The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stock Insiders with me, Oriel Morrison. Now, today we're talking to a really interesting company. It's a, essentially a salary access group and a financial wellbeing app, and it's called WageStream. So let's get straight into it. I'm joined now by co-founder and CEO, Josh Vernon. Josh, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning, Oriel. Thank you so much for having me. Talk to us about how you've come to be where you are today. And I, tell us about your journey. We can start right at the beginning. So my journey was um, I was in university about five or so years ago, and I had a very close friend of mine get into a relatively poor financial situation from uh, taking out a payday loan. I'm not sure if um, you're familiar with cash converters or Nimble or the likes, but essentially relatively predatory credit providers, um, which serve a purpose in some individuals' lives in um, helping them bridge emergency expenses, but then often get them into a worse financial situation. And anyway, this friend of mine, um, Levi, got into this situation. And at the time, he was a couple of days away from receiving his pay um, and needed to buy a fridge. Um, and at the time, we just thought there there had to be a better way to help employees manage their money or more to the point at that time, manage emergency expenses. Um, so probably with a little bit of ignorance at that point, we jumped into trying to build a business to do exactly that and set up WageStream, which was called Earned at the time. But today is a full suite financial wellbeing platform that supports about 2 million employees across the globe. Um, and I'm sure we can jump into some of the details, but that's, um, I guess, a bit of the background to it. Why WageStream? I mean, you, you've just given us some of the background to, to the business itself, but but what made you so passionate about it? I think if you if you look at the statistics, and it obviously wasn't the statistics at first um, that got us hooked on this space as a space that perhaps needed some help and innovation, but it was, so that incident with Levi, and then when you do look at the statistics about what financial stress looks like today, um, and particularly following COVID where people are perhaps in a more precarious financial situation, it's quite alarming. So you've got, just to give you some of them, you've got about 30% of employees or people in Australia who run short of money for food on a regular basis, 40% of people who struggle to meet bills and one in two of us can't save or don't have any money to put aside in savings. And then as a result of that, you've got Right now, 792,000 payday loans taken out annually. And these are financial instruments which often just perpetuate a cycle of debt that make it really, really challenging for individuals to improve their lives. And I think there's been, if we put it in an employer sense, there's been so much amazing work done on mental health and physical health. But I guess the reason all of us show up at work each day is to get paid. There hasn't been that much innovation or even more so than innovation, improvement in how people are paid for centuries. So I guess we just got hooked on this idea that if you can support what is often the number one stress for people 
in the workplace, you can do a really great thing for them, but then also there can be some amazing benefits for the employer too. And I think that's what got us hooked most of the win-win-win situation um, of what we could potentially build. I think the benefits to the employees are, are, are clear and, you, and you've just sort of described them and it must make a, a big difference when it comes to how people are managing their finances and managing their lives, particularly for those people that are living from paycheck to paycheck. When we we'll focus on the employer just for a moment, Josh, what are the main benefits for the employer when it comes to using WageStream? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think it really comes down to the benefits that the employee gets as a result of um, any well-being program. If you can make your employees happier in the simplest um, sense, then you often get better business outcomes. But really what that looks like, and just my comment before that, most people um, come to work to get paid. If you think about, I don't know if you remember um, at any point learning about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that little triangle diagram. Yes. I think a lot of corporates um, and us included in that focus on that top uh, little triangle up there, which speaks about um, how employees can be bought into the vision and the values and the self-actualization um, aspect of it. But really, um, that bottom level of physiological needs of can I provide food and shelter for my family um, is critical. So if you've got, if we just take a um, an example of a couple of industries we work with. If you've got an aged care professional, um, and in that type of industry, the product is the person caring for the elderly person. If they're coming into work with um, a significant or even a small financial stress um, sitting over their head, it's very likely that their productivity is going to fall. They may even choose to take a sick day, um, not show up. Maybe they've I don't know, don't have money for rent and need to call around to family or um, do something else in order to get that. So um, the the degradation of the quality of an individual's work goes down. They're also more likely to leave their job to look for a higher paying job, even though they may love where they are at the moment. So um, retention rates um, or turnover rates go up in an organization. So it's it's all those very classic things about if you treat your employees well, remove the stress in their life, then they're able to do amazing things for an employer. It makes perfect sense. The first couple of years for you were, were pretty tough, Josh. Tell us about it. Tell us how you stayed afloat, what happened. Tell us the story. Tough and fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's an interesting combination. It is indeed. I think everyone goes into starting a business thinking it's going to be a smooth sailing journey and you picture the end result. But oftentimes there's, there's bumps um, along the way. So we we had an amazing first couple of years where we, so um, I guess some of our core investors to date are um, a handful of charities. Um, but along with that, um, we initially received investment from um, NAB Ventures and a handful of others. And after a couple of years or months, um, we ended up selling to a global organization um, which supported employers in managing their cash flow and wage stream or earned at the time was meant to come into that ecosystem or their product set to support employees with their cash flow, be the yin to that yang, um, because ultimately I think employees are the most important supplier in any um, in any workplace. Um, and then unfortunately, that business um, which acquired us ended up going through a relatively tumultuous um, period and throughout COVID um, went bankrupt. So they went from being a, um, went into administration, they went from being a $8 billion company overnight to um, nothing. Um, and then we 
um, we took the business back out of there um, so didn't lose a customer or an employee throughout that process um, and found ourselves um, in WageStream. And WageStream was doing the exact same thing that we were doing just on the other side of the pond over in the UK um, and joined up forces uh, with that team. So, Josh, and interesting, you, you just said then that, you know, it was only sort of a few months after you started that you actually did sell to this, but we were acquired by this um, other corporation. Why in that, in your journey, in your journey of starting this company and coming up with the idea and, of course, you know, getting everything off the ground, did you decide so early to sell? That is a very good question, Ario. I think hindsight, um, hindsight would perhaps make you choose a different decision, but you can't, um, yeah, you can't uh, tell the future at that time. Uh, to take take you or even me back to the rationale of our decision then, so it was 18 months into um, our journey, um, or just bordering on two years into it. Um, the company which acquired us at the time was an Aussie-founded um, company, which had grown from nothing to an $8 billion company after six years of operation and was seeming to do some really incredible things for employers. At least that was the perception at the time. Um, and our view always was this challenge of financial stress and financial well-being and more than anything, improving how people are paid across the world probably shouldn't be restricted to Australia. I mean, this is something that um, employees all over the world face. So at the time, it felt like the right decision to give our team the firepower um, to go and tackle this on a global scale. And that was really what it came down to. There was alignment in what we did as organizations, but more than anything, the ability to take this vision um, and take it global. What was the most valuable lesson do you think that you walked away from with that? I mean, this is a really interesting kind of story, a very difficult one, as you said, tough, but there were some fun times in there uh, as well. And hindsight is a wonderful thing. But if you were to look back on that time and sort of figure out how that's changed you as a as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a businessman, what is the most valuable lesson? Or is it just as a person? From, from a personal perspective, there's a few really fascinating uh, lessons from a management perspective as well and then from a business um, perspective. I think to start from a personal perspective, um, I think one one principle which I walked away um, from that experience with was um, this concept which um, someone taught me called agreements versus expectations. Um, and to break that down, really what it is is I think all of us go into certain situations with um, a set of expectations, and that might be an expectation of what your team should be doing, or in this case, an expectation of what um, an acquired company should be doing. Um, and oftentimes, it creates angst when um, it's not spoken about or people don't meet those expectations. Um, and one thing I think we or I could have done a far better job of um, at that time was setting clear agreements. Um, and I think the difference between an agreement versus an expectation in this case is an agreement is spoken about between um, two individuals or two parties, everyone's on the same page and there's an opportunity for debate or dialogue in coming up with that agreement. So it's no longer this amorphous uh, thing where um, you're just expecting something of the other side. And I think going into any acquisition, just being dead clear about the agreements you have in place from how the cultures are going to operate together, how the business is going to operate together, all of that um, I think is really critical. So that would be on a on from a personal perspective something that I've walked away with. Well, that's a great lesson to learn. So you take something positive um, out of that. So, so Josh, let's talk about expansion. Um, when it comes to the business where you are today, I know you're focusing on 
your US expansion, um, you've, you've recently raised some some funds in a Series C round, backed by some of the big US the US firms as well. Yes, correct. So we um, we raised two hundred and thirty six million Aussie dollars um, at the beginning of this year, end of last year, um, and that really is to take this this vision and mission of. Um, fundamentally supporting or helping changing the way employees manage money global. So we now operate in Australia, the UK, Spain, um, and the US is a big focus for us at the moment. Mm. So tell us what you're doing in the US. It's pretty much the same as what we're doing here. And there's a slightly different approach to what we're doing um, here, where in the US we're going through partners um, more so than direct here. So in Australia, customers like Hungry Jacks or Core or the Rejerk Shop um, are mainly direct relationships, and in the UK, they're partner-led um, for the most part. But I think the the ecosystem um, in the US and Australia, from an employee perspective and and globally, is very similar. Um, in the US, perhaps even um, there's some exacerbated challenges. You've got a significant portion of the population which is underbanked or unbanked, like the this new state of financial well-being report that we've done in Australia. Um, all these statistics of um, both employees struggling and employers um, thinking that they're supporting, but perhaps not having in place the um, exact correct strategies to support end employees on their journey. All of those um, facts still exist in the US or any market we're in, really. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting market, the US. It is different to what we're doing, what we're seeing in Australia. Um, now, on top of this geographical expansion, um, you're also building more products, personal, fin- personal finance, salary management. What are we looking at if we look over the, your runway over the next sort of six to 12 months? Yeah, so at the moment, we've got five features um, and they differ slightly region to region, but just to talk you through them. And I think this is critical because financial well-being isn't a one-dimensional challenge to try and solve. Um, so it's not just like you can give someone a piece of content or a financial education article and expect them to um, radically change how they interact with their money. It is just such a complex um, sphere. So I guess what we try and do is make finances simple um, and automate a lot of what individuals do. So you imagine, um, or our product at the moment, just to talk you through it, the first piece is helping an individual track, so budget more effectively. And we're able to do so in a slightly different way to the traditional budgeting apps out in the market because we've got this direct integration with an employer's ecosystem. So as soon as a roster or a shift has been completed for an hourly employee, which is where we focus, that information gets fed through. And in real time, you can give an hourly worker an understanding of where they sit financially, which just, it hasn't really existed before. And I think, um, Ariel, you and I probably receive a salary and you know month on month exactly what you're going to be earning. And that just isn't the same to take us back to that aged care or Hungry Jacks worker. So first piece is track, giving people visibility. The second piece is earned wage access. So supporting individuals in um, accessing their earned but not yet paid income whenever they need it. Um, Third piece is savings. So helping people set up a savings goal and automate whether it's eighty cents an hour or a dollar twenty per hour into this uh, pot, um, and then the fourth and fifth are um, personalised education and one-to-one money coaching. So that's that's what it looks like at the moment. Um, and then there's some iterations over time on each of those to continue making them better and more useful. And then into the future, other products, um, all back to this mission, this charity-backed mission of 
how to make ethical and fair financial services, um, whether that be credit or insurance or rewards, um, is yet to be seen. So talk to us about this recent survey that you've done you've just done. You've launched the inaugural Australian State of Financial Wellbeing report. And essentially, as I understand it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you're trying to help employers or work out how employers should be better alleviating this financial stress in in the workplace. What is the key takeaway that you've come out with from that report? Yeah, I think I think you nailed it. So it's the um, it's one of the largest studies into employee financial well-being globally, um, definitely the largest in um, Australia. And exactly as you said, so goal is how can we help um, employers better understand the financial challenges their employees are going through um, and ultimately alleviate that strain. Um, so those statistics I mentioned earlier, um, just to set the scene on that, so you've got 30% of people who can't um, yeah, can't pay for food at times, 40% of people who can't pay for bills at times, and 50% of people who struggle to save regularly. And I think, I mean, intuitively, even now, I don't know if you're feeling it, but when you go and fill your car up or buy broccoli from the supermarket or whatever it is, it is just much more expensive um, out there. And I don't think that's going to stop um, or inflation is going to stop over the next couple of months or years. Um, so that's the employee perspective. The most interesting thing that we found in this report is the disconnect between what employers believe they're doing um, and what employees believe their employers are doing. Um, so you've got this really interesting divide where um, almost 60% of employers that we surveyed and we surveyed 500 um, HR professionals, um, including in-depth interviews, but 60% of them believe they're offering financial well-being tools that are helping their employees. Um, and about half of that number, so 36% of employees would say the same. So you've got this disconnect where half of the organizations out there are putting something out to their employees, the employees either don't know about it or aren't being positively impacted by it. And I think that's the opportunity that we can probably support um, in educating the market about. It, interesting, you talked about, you know, feeling the pinch. And obviously, we all know how inflation is working at the moment and high interest rates. Is that is that making your, I guess, your, your, your charter so much more urgent? Yeah, I think so. I also think, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, I also think for the last couple of years, it's probably not the right way to describe it, but mental health and physical health have been a sexy topic um, in employment and HR circles with Are You OK Day and how can we support people? And that is absolutely incredible. Um, I think what we're seeing now from a macro perspective is putting financial well-being um, on that same level. Um, and people are starting to understand the relationship or the, the cyclical relationship where poor mental health might lead to a reduced ability to work and then cause more financial stress or poor financial well-being might lead to more mental health issues. So I do think the macro environment today is making it more urgent. Yes. Mm, absolutely. Well, we appreciate what you're doing, uh, Josh, and look forward to following your story very closely. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Ariel. It was such a pleasure. I hope you have a lovely day. Josh Vernon with us there. Now, that is all we have time for for this edition of Stock Insiders with me, Oriel Morrison. Have a great day, everyone. See you next time. <music>